Well, turn with me, if you will, in your copy of God's Word to 2 Corinthians, and we're going to be looking in chapter 1 and reading verses 3 through 7. We are still in the series of suffering, and today's message title is, The God of all comfort comforts us, and then we comfort others. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. If you are physically able, I encourage you to stand with me. and Let us hear the word of the Lord together. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort in salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. May God bless the reading of his word today. Thank you, and you may be seated. Bible teacher Kay Arthur tells about getting out of the car one day. Her arms were loaded down with books and not really wanting to go into the house. She was a young widow at the time with two children, and it had been a one of those days, just a bad one, and she was hurting. As she stared at the grass, her mind went back to a time in her childhood when she had been running through the grass toward her dad, terrified and screaming, and he had scooped her up in his arms and given her comfort, and she wished she could go back and be a little girl again at that time. She wished she had someone to hold her at that moment. As she turned to go into the house, she suddenly saw in her mind a little girl in pigtails, as she once was, flying down a vast marble corridor, oil paintings bigger than life hung on the walls, and she could hear her little shoes on the marble floor and see the tears that ran down her cheeks. It was a long corridor in her mind, and at the end, two huge gold doors glistened in the sunlight which filtered through beveled cathedral windows. On either side of the imposing doors stood two magnificently dressed guards holding huge spears and blocking the entrance into the room beyond. But undaunted in her mind again, the little girl ran straight toward the door, still crying, Father! She never broke her stride as she neared the doors. The guards instead of keeping her away, flung them open and heralded her arrival, saying, The daughter of the king! The daughter of the king! The cherubim and seraphim cried, Holy, holy, holy! And the elders sat on the thrones, dressed in white, wearing crowns of gold, and talking with the king of kings. But none of this slowed his daughter. Oblivious to everything going on about her, she ran past the seven burning lamps of fire and up the steps leading to the throne, and she catapulted herself into the king's arms. She was home and wrapped in the arms of his everlasting love. 
He reached up and with one finger gently wiped away her tears. Then he smoothed the sticky hair on her face back into her braids and said, Now, tell your father all about it. That was in her mind. Then she walked into the house, left her books on the table, walked through her house, knelt down by her bedside, and she told her father all about it. The scriptures say, Blessed or praised and worshipped be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our afflictions. Beloved, true and everlasting comfort comes from God. And He gives comfort to His people that know Him intimately by faith. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, desires and wills to comfort you in your sufferings. Do not doubt that. Do not doubt that today, but grasp that truth with all your might and never let go of the truth that God hears you, He desires to hear from you, and He desires to comfort you. I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress He kindly will help me. He ever loves and cares for His own. Sing it. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. Beloved, today you've come to the hospital of King Jesus. Go into his room. Wait patiently for him to come in and examine you. And be still while he puts the healing ointment of the gospel upon your deepest wounds. May you find healing and comfort. And then, take that healing. Take that healing ointment of the gospel for the soul and apply it to the wounds of another. Father, today we cannot bear our burdens alone. And so we ask for your comfort that comes from heaven, true and everlasting comfort. Apply, Lord, the balm of Gilead to our lives today. Heal us, strengthen us, minister unto us. Lord, help me as I address your people. They're not mine, they're yours. So that they will be strengthened by your word today. In Christ's name, amen. What a beautiful thought that the Lord Jesus Christ suffers with us. The apostle in verse 3 uses the term, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
He was writing to the church here. Why use that title? He reminds them, and it reminds us today, of what we read in the first of Hebrews, that God spoke through our spiritual fathers and through the prophets, but in these last days He has spoken to us through His Son, the suffering servant, the Lord Jesus Christ. The name Lord describes His deity, that He is God. His name Jesus was His earthly name, Yeshua, meaning God saves. It speaks of His humanity, but also of His saving death and resurrection. God saves through the God-man Jesus Christ. And He says Christ, meaning His anointed one. And that describes Him as the King who will defeat God's enemies, the enemies of the people of God, and He will rule forever. And so He is God in the flesh that rescues His people. He will reign forever and His people of faith will reign with Him throughout eternity. Blessed, blessed, praised and worshipped be the God of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now why do I bring that up? If you look at verse 5 again, it says, For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Hmm. Christ is told to us through the Scriptures that He is the head of the church. And we are the body of Christ. Now Christ had a certain amount of suffering in, to endure, and so we as the body connected to the head also share in sufferings with Christ as our head. We are connected. And if that is true, the opposite is true. When the body suffers, it affects the head. Imagine a man so tall or a person so tall that their feet go into the deepest ocean and their head goes into the highest of the sky, into the heavens. No matter how tall this person is, still... When the head hurts, the body feels it, and when the body hurts, the head feels it as well. So the head is in heaven, Jesus Christ, and the body, His people, the church on earth. But our sufferings are Christ's sufferings. Our griefs are the griefs of Christ as well. Our afflictions are His also. Our sufferings our Christ, the head. Jesus suffers with us. And the head then ministers into the body. No matter what suffering or affliction or fiery trial you're in today, the head, Jesus Christ, is not disconnected from you. But He knows your griefs and your sorrows. And He ministers into the body. The suffering of a true Christian are as much the suffering as Christ. Listen to me. I'm going to begin that sentence again. I want you to zone in on this and think about your suffering today. The suffering of a true Christian are as much the sufferings as Christ as was the cross of Calvary for Him. He knows your suffering today. And He knows your afflictions today. He sees the trials that you're going through. We are His body and He cares for and He suffers with us in our troubles. And what a comforting thought that is, amen? We as one or as many, 
Never suffer alone. We sang that today. Our Lord is near us all the time. And as the Scriptures teach that His eyes on the sparrow, we know that He watches over us as well. Jesus is in heaven in the flesh, but beloved, He is not preoccupied nor disconnected Himself from us. The head is always connected to the body. And He suffers with you, and He suffers with His people. The Lord Jesus Christ comforts us. Child of God, He sees your suffering today. He knows and feels your pain, and He will comfort you, listen, in proportion to your suffering. When do we receive the greatest comforts? Well, picture a mystical set of scales, if you will, in the hands of Christ. On one side of the scales are our sufferings. On the other side are comforts. When the side filled with the sufferings are light or near empty, so will be the side with our comforts. But when the side of our suffering is full, so the side with comforts will be just as heavy. And so when suffering is great in our lives, so is the comfort that we experience in Christ. You see, suffering does many things, but at least these three it does for us. Suffering does this, it makes room for comfort. Suffering makes room for comfort. Secondly, suffering activates God's mercy and comfort upon our lives. A mother once had many children, and a person once asked her, do you love one above the other? She replied, yes. The person was actually very startled by that because they didn't think the question was too serious because we are always supposed to say, well, we love our children all the same. But she said, when they said, what do you mean by you love one more than the other? And she said, the one that needs me the most at that time is the one I love the most at that time. It is the same with Christ. When we are afflicted the greatest, we experience the flow of mercy upon our head in abundance. Charles Spurgeon said, It is a fact that Christians can rejoice in deep distress. It is a truth that put them in prison and they will sing. Like many birds, they sing best in their cage. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7-9 through 9 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. That is the life of the Christian. But beloved, you must be careful to always place yourself underneath the fountain of grace and draw nearer to Christ. And as your sufferings increase, so does the room for His comfort as well. And as we are comforted, we comfort others. To those of us that have experienced God's mercy and comfort are then to share in the suffering and comfort with others as Christ has shared in our suffering and comfort with us. So we do with each other. So we do with one another. When we have experienced suffering and then comfort, 
Listen, we are then stewards of them to be used in helping other parts of the body heal. We often speak of being good stewards within the church and within Christian families of what God blesses us with. Whether it be most of the time when we speak of being good stewards, we are speaking of being good stewards of money or other possessions that God has blessed us with. And that is very true. But I suggest to you today, we must also be good stewards with the experiences of suffering and comforting for the good of others. We are also stewards of our experiences. Look at verse 4 again, and 6 and 7 of 2 Corinthians 1. Who comforts us in our afflictions. Why? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Verse 6 again. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation, Paul is writing. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, he writes to the church, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. When we suffer and find God's comfort to be true, we become, if you will, a pipeline of God's comfort that channels it into the life of others. Thinking back in my life, how many times I have been comforted by others that have traveled the road I'm on before me. And they've been able to speak to me and pray with me and pray for me and encourage me, challenge me in many ways of the trials that they have experienced, of the sufferings that they have endured patiently, and of the comfort that they experienced through God. People that have lived in dungeons, and every one of us have lived in a dungeon, if you know what I mean. If you haven't, you will. But people that have lived in dungeons can show other prisoners where the bread and water is to be found for nourishment until they are released. Only we can do that. And we do that through our experience of sufferings and our experiences of comfort. Those that experience the most suffering receive the most comfort. And those that receive the most comfort are those who are the best equipped to comfort others in their sufferings as well. Uh, You don't have to turn there, but just remember or mark it. In Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32, Jesus Christ is about to go to the cross. He's trying to prepare His disciples. And He speaks to Peter, and He says, Simon, 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 Peter, my rock, the rock. And He says something amazing. Listen to these words. Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Who did he demand permission from? From God the Father. Satan had gone to the Father in heaven, and he had asked to cause Peter a fiery trial to test his faith, believing that he would fail. Jesus tells Peter this beforehand. Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. I do remember mom sifting 
right? You younger people will have to look that up on YouTube. But Jesus goes on to say, but I have prayed for you. Jesus prayed for Peter, even though he knew Satan had been given permission to sift him like wheat. And I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. That's what he prayed for. And ultimately, his faith didn't fail, though he did fail in the hour of trial. He ran and denied him three times. But here's the amazing thing that Jesus Christ says. I've prayed for you that you will not fail. And when once you have turned again. In other words, this is what he tells Peter. Satan is asked to sift you like wheat. God's allowing it. Your faith will not ultimately fail, but you will fail. You will fail. But when you turn again, back to me, what does he say? Strengthen your brothers. Strengthen your brothers. You're going to fail. You're going to deny me three times. And you're going to be miserable about it. Not only that, you're going to curse in denying me three times on the third. You're going to fail, but when you return, strengthen your brothers. Encourage them. Lift them up. Lead our affliction, failures, and suffering as Christians are not only for us to experience God's comfort and our growth, but are also given for the comfort and the salvation of others. Now, in our Scripture today, when Paul uses the word salvation, I don't believe he's necessarily talking about salvation and being justified before God by the blood of Jesus Christ. Certainly it could mean that, but I think he speaks of the ongoing salvation in the Greek wording there, of being saved from many trials and troubles and tribulations many sufferings and afflictions as we are comforted by one another. Beloved, this is our steadfast stewardship, our duty and honor for all of us that have suffered and experienced God's strength and comfort even in our failings at times when we have returned to strengthen the brothers and sisters around us. Some practical thoughts on comforting. First, listen. I, I want to admit to you my failings, even as a father, that I'm not always the best listener. Best, the best counselors are the best listeners. Uh, it's been a few weeks ago, Tori called me in her room, and I thought, or a couple months ago, and I thought I knew what... She wanted to say, and so I kind of went off and spoke for ten minutes. She waited patiently, let me get through my spiel, and then she said, Dad, I've listened to you, and I hear what you're saying, but can I talk now? <laughs> yes. Yes. Trying to do better, but when you're a preacher, it seems like sermons spill out a little bit too often. And I fail in that at times. But when you're comforting another one, you need to listen. Whether it be for a minute at Circle K in passing, or whether it be 
20 minutes on the phone or whether it be an hour of sitting on the couch with a dear friend in their home, you need to listen. Don't assume you know everything. Don't assume you know all the trials they're going through. Don't assume you know why they're suffering. But listen. They might not have all their theology right, and you know what? That's okay. I saw that on uh, on Facebook. I follow a group, and uh, actually it's a Spurgeon group where we get quotes and stuff, but sometimes people post prayer requests. And there was a lady that posted a prayer request. And yes, her wording, as a pastor, I could tell the wording that she did not have good theology. I caught it right off. But she was suffering and she was asking for others in the group to pray for her. And the first person that responded said, first you need to get your theology right. And I thought, bless her heart. Here she poured out asking for prayer requests. And yes, she needs her theology, but don't correct all theology at once. Some people are hurting and just need someone to listen for a while. Secondly, gently and lovingly apply the balm of the gospel of hope upon their lives. Eternal in Christ found in the Scriptures through the Holy Spirit. Gently and lovingly apply the gospel. Share your story then, when the time is appropriate. Share your story of suffering and comfort found in Christ. You see, you have a story that I do not have. And I have a story that you do not have. They might be similar in some ways, but different in others. You have experienced things that I have not. I've experienced things that you have not. We all are stewardship of those sufferings and comforts. But we know that all comfort ultimately comes from the God of mercy and comfort. And it's not your story of your strength. Don't go off with that. It's not the story of your strength, but your story of experiencing God's strength that comforted you in your fiery trials. Remember, when you're listening and sharing your story and someone is suffering, remember this. They're stuck in a chapter of a larger story. And we've all been there. They're stuck in that chapter. They don't see the bigger story at that time. And when we're suffering, it's hard for all of us to see that larger story. Amen? And so that's what you're gently and lovingly applying is the larger story of the gospel upon their lives. Fourthly, pray with them. You might say, I'm not, I'm not a good prayer. Pray with them and pray for them. And don't just say that like we often do. I will pray for you. We've all done that and then we get busy with our life. But pray for them. Next, be patient. Everyone suffers differently. Don't assume that just because you give them a Bible verse and you say a prayer for them that all their problems ought to go away right at that moment. Be patient with them. Think of the patience of Paul with the church at Corinth. He had labored so much among them. They had probably caused him more grief than any other local church, and yet he kept writing to them. He kept praying for them. He continued to come back and to minister unto them. 
at times speaking hard truths, at other times showing great love and concern. He continued to apply the story of the gospel. And here, as we read today, Paul even says, because we've suffered together, we share in comfort together. And if my sufferings comfort you, then to God be the glory for great things he have done. Then, after you've listened, after you have gently and lovingly applied the balm of the gospel, after you've shared your story of God's comfort, after you've prayed with and for them, after you have been patient, then repeat the process. Continue to minister. Continue to minister. Don't give up on them. I want to say something. I won't point it out specifically, but there have been people that when they have disappeared for lengthy periods of times, I just assumed they didn't want to be a part of the church or uh, found another place or, or whatever they're going through. Reached out maybe for a time, but then I would cease. But I can think of especially two instances in this church today where some of you did not cease to reach out to them and minister to them. And those people, even though it might have taken two, three, four years, now are back in church with us and serving and worshiping among us. God bless you. Repeat the process. Repeat the process. What an awesome thought that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit along with His sacred Word is the source of all true healing. Man's wisdom is short-lived with remedies that do not last. But yet God has chosen to use your suffering. Listen to me, every one of you, young and old. God has chosen to use your suffering and the comfort that you've experienced or will experience to navigate others in their seasons of suffering towards God's comfort. He is not going to waste your suffering. Not only is He going to ultimately in the glories of heaven heal you one day, but He will use your life to heal others if you allow Him to do so. God does not waste the suffering you've been through or that you are going through, and the comfort that He has given you is to be shared with others that, as I said again, are in the dungeon needing someone to show them where the bread and the water are and the way out. It is ours today to turn to Christ and to surrender our lives and our suffering to Christ, to find His comfort and to use our lives to make a deposit into the lives of others being afflicted right now. You know, it's true in this place today, really there's a miracle in every pew. I think there was a song that said that a few years ago, Brother Charles, but you know what else is in every pew? And standing here before you, there's also suffering. All of us need God's comfort. And yes, that comes greatest, true, eternal suffering comes from heaven. It comes through the giving of Jesus Christ. It comes through the Holy Spirit in our lives. The still, small voice. It comes through the Word of God. But it also comes 
to the person next to you, the person behind you, the person in front of you. Heavenly Father, thank You for suffering with us. And thank You for suffering for us to bring us eternal hope in the midst of our afflictions. Complete the good work that You have started in Your people today. And Lord, start a new good work in their lives also. May You be honored and gloried. May You strengthen Your saints, Lord, and use Your saints to strengthen other other saints and other people until the one day we receive our complete healing in Your presence. In Christ's name, Amen.